Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon and welcome, welcome back. Well, thank you very much for joining me for our next adventure with the Famous Five. Now, <coughs> excuse me, we are now reading book six and it's called Five on Kiran Island again. So yesterday we finished their last adventure and today we are cracking on with the next one in the Famous Five series. So book six and it's called Five on Kiran Island again. So that is what we are reading today. Chapter one in their next adventure. So chapter one is called A Letter for George. Anne was trying to do some of her prep in a corner of the common room where her, when her cousin George came bursting in. George, not a boy, she was called, a, she was a girl called Georgina, but because she had always wanted to be a boy, she insisted on being called George. So George she was. She wore her curly hair cut short and her bright blue eyes gleamed angrily now as she came towards Anne. Anne, I've just had a letter from home and what do you think? Father wants to go and live on my island to do some special work and not only that, he wants to build a sort of tower or something in the castle yard. The other girls looked up in amusement and Anne held out her hand for the letter that George was waving at her. Everyone knew about the little island off Kiran Bay that belonged to George. Kiran Island was a tiny place with an old ruined castle in the middle of it, the home of rabbits and gulls and jackdaws. That sounds just like my garden. It had underground dungeons in which George and her cousins had had one or two rather amazing adventures. It had once belonged to George's mother and she had given it to George. And George was very, very fierce where her precious Kiran Island was concerned. It was hers. Nobody else must live there or even land there without her permission. And now... Dear me, here was her father proposing to go and live on her island and even build some sort of workshop there. Oh, George was red with exasperation. It's just like grown-ups. They go and give you things and then act as though things were theirs all the time. I don't want father living on my island and building nasty, messy sheds and things there. Oh, George, you know your father is a very famous scientist who needs to work in peace, said Anne, taking the letter. Surely you can lend him your island for a bit. Oh, there are plenty of other places where he can work in peace, said George. Oh, dear, I was so hoping we could go and stay there in the Easter Halls, take our boat there and food and everything, just like we've done before. Now we shan't be able to if father really does go there. Anne read the letter. It was from George's mother. My darling George, I think I must tell you at once that your father proposes to live on Kiran Island for some little time 
in order to finish some very important experiments he is making. He will have some kind of building erected there, a sort of tower, I believe. Apparently he needs a place where he can have absolute peace and isolation, and also, for some reason, where there is water all around him. The fact of being surrounded by water is necessary to his experiment. Now, dear, please don't be upset about this. I know that you consider Kiran Island as your very own, but you must allow your family to share it, especially when it is for something as important as your father's scientific work. Father thinks you will be very pleased indeed to lend him Kiran Island, but I know your funny feeling about it, so I thought I'd better write and tell you before you arrive home and see him installed there, complete with his tower. The letter then went on about other things, but Anne did not bother to read these. She looked at George. Oh, George, I don't see why you mind your father borrowing Kiran Island for a bit. I wouldn't mind my father borrowing an island from me, if I was lucky enough to have one. Your father would talk to you about it first and ask your permission and see if you minded, said George sulkily. My father never does anything like that. He just does exactly as he likes without asking anybody anything. I really do think he might have written to me himself. He just puts my back up. Oh, you've got a back that is very easily put up, George, said Anne, laughing. Don't scowl at me like that. I'm not borrowing your island without your gracious permission. But George wouldn't smile back. She took her letter and read it again gloomily. To think that all my lovely holiday plans are spoiled, she said. You know how super Kiran Island is at Easter time. All primroses and gauze and baby rabbits. And you and Julian and Dick were coming to stay and we haven't stayed together since last summer when we went caravanning. I know, it is hard luck, said Anne. It would have been wizard to go and stay on the island, these holes. But perhaps your father wouldn't mind if we did. We needn't disturb him. Oh, as if living on Kiran Island with father there would be the same as living there all by ourselves, said George scornfully. You know it would be horrid. Well, yes. Anne didn't think on the whole that Kiran Island would be much fun with Uncle Quentin there. George's father was such a hot-tempered, impatient man, and when he was in the middle of one of his experiments, he was quite unbearable. The least noise upset him. <laughs> oh dear, how he will yell at the jackdaws to keep quiet and shout at the noisy gulls, said Anne, beginning to giggle. <laughs> he won't find Kiran quite so peaceful as he imagines. George gave a watery sort of smile. She folded up the letter and turned away. Well, I think it's just the limit, she said. I wouldn't have felt so bad if any father had asked my permission. He'd never do that, said Anne. It just wouldn't occur to him. Now, George, don't spend the rest of the day brooding over your wrongs, for goodness sake. Go down to the kennels and fetch Timmy. He'll soon cheer you up. Timothy was George's dog, whom she loved with all her heart. He was a big, scruffy, brown mongrel dog with a ridiculous 
ridiculously long tail and a wide mouth that really seemed to smile. All the four cousins loved him. He was so friendly and loving, so lively and amusing. And he had shared so very many adventures with them all. The five of them had had many happy times together. George went to get Timmy. At a school allowed the children to keep their own pets. If it hadn't allowed this, it is quite certain that George would not have gone to boarding school. She could not bear to be parted from Timmy for even one day. Timmy began to bark excitedly as soon as she came near. George lost her sulky look and smiled. Oh dear Timmy, dear trustable Timmy. He was better than any person. He was always on her side, always her friend, whatever she did. And to Timmy, there was no one in the world so wonderful as George. They were soon going through the fields together and George talked to Timmy as she always did. She told him about her father borrowing Kieran Island. Timmy agreed with every word she said. He listened as if he understood everything and not even when a rabbit shot across his path did he leave his mistress's side. Timmy always knew when George was upset. He gave her hand a few little licks every now and again. By the time that George was back at school again, she felt much better. She took Timmy into school with her, smuggling him in at a side door. Dogs were not allowed in the school building. But George, rather like her father, often did exactly as she liked. She hurried Timmy up to her dormitory. He scuttled under her bed quickly and lay down. His tail thumped the floor gently. He knew what this meant. George wanted the comfort of his nearness that night. He would be able to jump on her bed when lights were out and snuggle into the crook of her knees. His brown eyes gleamed with delight. Now, lie quiet, said George, and went out of the room to join the other girls. She found Anne, who was busy writing a letter to her brothers, Julian and Dick, at their boarding school. I've told them about Kieran Island and your father wanting to borrow it, she said. Would you like to come and stay with us, George, these holes, instead of us coming to Kieran? Then you won't feel cross all the time because your father is on your island. No thanks, said George at once. I'm going home. I want to keep an eye on father. I don't want him blowing up Kieran Island with one of his experiments. You know he's messing about with explosives now, don't you? Ooh, atom bombs or things like that, said Anne. I don't know, said George. Anyway, quite apart from keeping an eye on father and my island, we ought to go and stay at Kieran to keep mother company. She'll be all alone if father's on the island. I suppose he'll take food and everything there. Well, there's one thing. We shan't have to creep about on tiptoe and whisper if your father isn't at Kieran Cottage, said Anne. We can be as noisy as we like. Oh, do cheer up, George. But it took George quite a long time to get over the fit of gloom caused by her mother's letter. Even having Timmy on her bed each night until he was discovered by an angry teacher did not quite make up for her disappointment. The term ran swiftly on to its end. April came, 
with sunshine and showers. Holidays came nearer and nearer. Anne thought joyfully of Kiran with its lovely sandy beach, its blue sea, its fishing boats and its lovely cliffside walks. Julian and Dick thought longingly of them too. This term, both they and the girls broke up on the same day. They could meet in London and travel down to Kiran together. Hurrah! The day came at last. Trunks were piled in the hall. Cars arrived to fetch some of the children who lived fairly near. The school coaches drew up to take the others down to the station. There was a terrific noise of yelling and shouting everywhere. The teachers could not make themselves heard in the din. Anyone would think that every single child had gone completely mad, said one of them to another. Oh, thank goodness they're getting into the coaches. George, must you rush along the corridor at 60 miles an hour with Timmy barking his head off all the time? I must, I must, cried George. And where are you? Do come and get into the coach. I've got Timmy. He knows it's holidays now. Come on, Tim. Down to the station went the singing crowd of children. They piled into the train. Bags I this, this seat. Who's taken my bag? Get out, Hetty. You know you can't bring your dog in here with mine. They fight like anything. Hurrah! The guard's blowing his whistle. We're off! The engine pulled slowly out of the station. Its long train of carriages behind it filled to bursting with girls off for their holidays. Through the quiet countryside it went, through small towns and villages, and at last ran through the smoky outskirts of London. The boys' train is due in two minutes before ours, said Anne, leaning out of the window, as the train drew slowly into the London station. If it was punctual, they might be on our platform to meet us. Oh, look, George, look, there they are. George hung out of the window too. Hi, Julian, she yelled. Here we are. Hi, Dick, Julian. Well, tomorrow we will come and read chapter two. Back at the cottage and finding out all about Uncle Quentin on the island. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, um, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to chapter two. I'm looking forward to finding out what adventures are in store for them all this holidays. Oh, must be so exciting. Oh, can't wait. Anyway, um, this is our new story. So come and join me for chapter two tomorrow. Take care. Stay safe. And have a great day. Bye for now.